Safety is our priority. A Star Wars fan fiction, written by Nadia Van Dyne, and read by God of Laundry Baskets. It is rated teen and up, featuring Obi Wan Kenobi and Asajj Ventress. The line to security isn't the worst line Asajj has ever been in. She can admit that. Kenobi has found a suitably small spaceport for them to leave from, one that should be discreet enough for them to get a good distance away from this hellhole of a planet before anyone realizes that they've left, and all their other clientele seem to be good at minding their own carking business, at least so far. But... That also means that she's astronomically bored, and she can't even cark with people for fun. Well, she could, but Kenobi would presumably take offense to that, and then she'd have to call the Count and admit her failure. And Asajj is not about to do that, not while she knows the holocron is still out there. As irritating and infuriating as it is, Kenobi is her best chance at getting off this hellhole without calling her master's attention to her... delay. It's not a failure. It's a delay. Maybe if she says that to herself enough, it will become true. Kenobi doesn't seem to be paying attention, his nose buried in a holopad he's reading. It is, quite honestly, remarkably rude or at least remarkably annoying to her, and she's perfectly fine with equating that to rudeness. It's not like anyone is going to correct her about it. There's a snort to her right at that thought, and Asajj deliberately ignores it. She knows that if she turns her head, she'll see the ghost of her dead master standing there, his amusement at her statement obvious by the way his arms are crossed and one eyebrow is raised. That's like the pot calling the kettle black, my young Padawan, Kai would have said. And this version of him, this infuriating, persistent figment of her imagination, will say something similar if she gives him an opening too. So... She just turns more firmly to Kenobi and tries to will him away. Asajj, you do realize that that's like the pot calling the kettle black, don't you? Kai says anyway. She grits her teeth and doesn't reply. Ignoring me doesn't make it not true. And maybe it's because she's had a long, criffing day. Maybe it's because she still doesn't have the force-forsaken holocron. But Asajj is unable to completely stifle her sound of rage at that, whirling on her heel. Just as predicted, her master's flickering form is there, and the fact that her imagination can still conjure him so accurately to this day just fuels her rage. She wants to scream at him, break him, wants to carve every memory she has of Rotatak out of her brain, wants the life she was promised and had ripped away when he up and died. Is something the matter, my dear? Kenobi asks, breaking through her thoughts, and Asajj freezes. 
She can sense the jagged edges of his wariness brushing up against her mind in the force, knows his hand is on his concealed lightsaber, anticipating the worse, and she forces herself to lock up any feelings she has on the matter and throw them in her pile of things to deal with never. Kyneric is useless, dead and forgotten. The rage his memory brings is a useful tool when she's channeling the dark side, so she keeps it with her. But when she's not using the Force, it just does more harm than good. I thought I might have seen someone troublesome. You might have seen them as well if you were paying any attention to something besides the hollow pad, she says pointedly, and Kenobi gives her a look relents, sliding the hollow pad away into his bag. As he does, Asajj catches a hint of a stray thought brushed past her mind, something about invitation and ball and the boo. Kenobi, she starts, do you actually have a plan? Asajj breaks off when she realizes that he doesn't appear to be listening. Huh. Hey, Kenobi, Master Jedi, I'm talking to you. Kenobi blinks, says, My apologies. I'm afraid I was lost in thought. Yeah, no shit, she doesn't respond, because she does have some manners. Something about Naboo? Uh, no. Kenobi lies, just on the side of too quick. He quickly changes the topic. Ventress, I have to ask, do you really? Are you planning on sharing why you decided to actually grace me with your presence this trip? No. There's little doubt in my mind that Dooku could end this manhunt with a snap of his fingers, or a few strategically placed bribes, Kenobi continues, apparently deciding to pretend not to hear her. And while I don't object to your company, I wasn't expecting it. My dear Obi-Wan, the Count doesn't want me to rely on him for everything, you know. Unlike your Skywalker, he understands that people need space to grow. Kenobi snorts. Very well. I do suppose it's a good thing I am here after all, then. Asajj pauses, because that jump in logic makes zero sense. And why would you think that? I don't imagine Dooku would be happy if it was Anakin you ended up teaming up with. If it was Skywalker I had to team up with, there would be a murder, not a team-up. I feel like I ought to be offended on Anakin's behalf. Darling... I never said I'd be the one doing the murder. Are you really expecting me to believe that you wouldn't be? No, I would. But he'd attempt it before I even opened my mouth. He'd fail, but he would try. I suppose you do have a point. The reluctant resignation in his voice counts as a win in her book, and Asajj takes a moment to savor it before moving on. Now, do you have any genius plans for getting us out of here without alerting security to our real identities? 
Oh, you think my plans are genius. I'm flattered. She huffs in disgust. Do the Jedi not teach their younglings sarcasm? Oh, no, they absolutely don't, Kenobi says sarcastically. Sarcasm is actually forbidden to Jedi. It's in our code, right after don't murder younglings and don't become a politician. Out of the corner of her eye, Asajj sees Kai raise his eyebrows at that statement, and while he doesn't laugh out loud, his mouth presses into the thin line that means he's absolutely laughing internally. Asajj wrenches her gaze away from her former master and hits Kenobi's arm instead, making sure not to pull her punch. Hey! Kenobi exclaims, reaching a hand up to rub at it. Good. That was uncalled for. Don't be a baby, she says, dismissive. Kenobi rolls his eyes like he's Skywalker, or the brat that he has following him around these days. Ugh. Do I get to know your plan now? After that? No. You are capable of improvising, are you not? Am I capable of improv- Kenobi? No. That's the most idiotic plan I've ever heard. Force above. Why do they call you the negotiator? Excellent. Kenobi interrupts, cutting her off, and she sneers at him. He ignores it. Just follow my lead, then, he says, and he smiles walks up to greet the security agent. Rolling her eyes and following him sulkily is not the most dignified of reactions, but he did it first, so whatever. Anyway, she's not a prissy little cripper like he and his order are, so she doesn't need to be all repressed and dignified. The voice in her head reminding her that there is a world of difference between one being repressed and simply not letting one's emotions dictate their actions is a voice that can shut the hell up. She got Kai's lecture about how the Jedi encouraged the latter and not the former enough times when he was alive. Thank you very much. Dooku says otherwise anyway, and he's her master now, not some useless, washed-up, guilt-driven hypocritical Jedi. What Kai said doesn't matter. He was a criffing liar anyway. They all are. Asajj doesn't bother paying attention to the conversation Kenobi is having with the security agent, a small Rodian who gestures way too much, so she only tunes back in when Kenobi hands her a fake ID. Serrano University, huh? What are you studying? The Rodian asks, and Asajj doesn't bother to muffle her groan. Force hells, Kenobi, really? Kenobi pays her no mind as he answers. Galactic relations, he says, handing over his fake ID. That's gotta be an interesting subject to study right now. It is. Kenobi gets his ID back and steps out of the way. Asajj takes his place and hands her own over. And what about you, hmm? Criff, 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 criff. Business, 
Kenobi says smoothly. Asajj blinks, then turns to stare at him incredulously. Damn their covers. She's getting a master's of business administration. Oh, that carking son of a... Well, there's nothing wrong with that, the Rodian chirps, and Asajj responds to that with a glare. The Rodian visibly wilts. I'll just go get that for you then, sirs. Rodian scampers off, and Kenobi sighs. Really, Asajj? A master's of business administration? She demands in reply. Our cover is that we're at uni, and I'm a criffing business student? Well, you do seem to be in the business of failing to kill Jedi, and I imagine that you would like to change that so a bit of higher education in business might do you well. Oh, you're one to talk. Remind me, just how often has my master slipped out of your grasp? Ventress, I've killed 50% of the Sith that I've interacted with. I'd say that's a pretty good record. You haven't killed me. You're not a Sith. That carker. Whatever, there aren't many true Sith for you to interact with, so that's not really an impressive record. I, for one, would disagree. And you would be wrong. Suck it up, Kenobi. This isn't the crash. I'm not going to coddle you. A pause, and during it, the Rodian returns. Asajj chooses to let Kenobi handle dealing with the fool and moves towards the luggage scanners. Kenobi doesn't follow, as he doesn't have any bags, Jedi, and instead goes straight towards the x-ray machines. When she's set her bags through, she joins him. He speaks up before she can. And why would you say that? That. Does he mean coddling, or... Ah. Right. He probably means the crash. Asajj rolls her eyes crosses her arms, and sends him an incredulous look. I may not be a Jedi, Kenobi, but I'm not completely ignorant about your way of life. You were raised in the crash, just like all the other Jedi brats, right? One could say that. Kenobi pauses to step into the x-ray machine and only resumes speaking once he's exited it, the light having blinked green. I didn't think that Dooku was the type to reminisce about his time in the Jedi Order. Asajj steps into the x-ray machine, and she nearly laughs, because, well, Kenobi isn't wrong. The mental image of him doing so is surprisingly funny. He's not, she confirms, stepping out. Then how do you know that? Kenobi asks, voice low, and she pauses. She can hear the suspicion clear in his voice, which, for once, is absolutely not warranted. Because I can confirm that it isn't public knowledge. Oh, Criff. Criff. Mind your business, Jedi. 
she snaps back. Her temper is already flaring, and she determinedly pushes back the memories the, the presence of a carking Jedi have pulled to the forefront of her mind. It doesn't matter how she knows that. It doesn't matter that Kai told her. I disagree, Ventress. We may have been working together for now, but you are an enemy operative, and you have shown that you have no qualms about murdering innocents and actively enjoy killing both Jedi and clones. This is absolutely my- Wait. Kenobi pauses, mid-self-righteous rant, cocks his head to the side, and suddenly his eyes go wide. Asajj narrows her eyes, tries not to see Kai out of the corner of her eyes, then... Really? In the Force, she feels something brush up against the edges of her mind. A presence that's not invasive, not probing, just picking up on the thoughts she's projecting. On the... She brings up her shields in an instant, bile bitter in her throat, and starts, Shut the criff up, Kenobi! Dimly, Asajj notes that she hears a dull roaring in her ears, and roaring that wasn't there before. Criff. Criff. Jedi Master Kynaric. Kenobi says Kenobi continues, because Kenobi is a fool. She will take his head for this, for being the one to witness. So that's what happened to him. Asajj blinks. In her ears, she still hears a roar. She blinks again. And then her world turns red. She's slamming him against the wall before she knows it, using the force to propel herself as she lets out a wordless scream of rage. How dare he? How dare he? Asajj? She ignores Kai. It's been getting easier to do so as she pledges her time to Dooku. Asajj is vaguely aware of the fact that there are other beings around, civilians, sheep. And, oh, she takes back what she said about the clientele of this place minding their own criffing business. There's a mix of fear, horror, and shock rolling off of them in the force, and it just serves to make her stronger, keep her blood boiling as she grabs her lightsabers, ignites them, and... You don't see anything out of the usual, Kenobi states, and the sheer power he laces his words with stops Asajj dead in her tracks. He can't seriously think he can control her with a mind trick, can he? That fool. The indignation rises in her like bile, but then... The room isn't the Molotov cocktail of emotion it was before. Look, Kai instructs her, and she's snarling Kark off at him reflexively, but Kenobi is doing something in the Force, so she submerges herself in it anyway. She's a beacon of darkness and rage in the Force. She's worked to make that so. But beyond the trail of darkness she's left behind, Kenobi's influence is obvious. He wasn't trying to mind trick her, it seems. His words have twisted around the other sentients in the room, a distinctly firm, calming presence bumping up against all other force signatures in the room. It's a controlled, gentle persuasion for them to disregard what's happening between the two force users in the room. 
and Assange has the absurd realization that if this works, she could just murder Kenobi here and be done with it. And it does work. Slowly, they start backing down, one by one, and their voices overlap as the beings around repeat the order Kenobi gave, one on top of the other, and... She swings her lightsaber to Kenobi's neck. Never say his name again, she orders. Understood? Kenobi tilts his head and, is that understood? A moment of silence, then. Of course, my dear, Kenobi says. I apologize for overstepping. I don't want your carking apologies, Kenobi, she snarls, leaning in. Kenobi looks back at her, completely unruffled. And I sure as hell don't want your pity, either. I wouldn't dream of it, Asajj. She reminds herself of the holocron, of the spaceship she needs to catch and makes herself move back. She leaves her lightsaber at his throat for one more long minute, though, before scoffing and flicking it off. <laughs> I didn't always serve the Count, you know, she sneers, her tone dismissive, apathetic, bored. Chineric trained me for a while, years ago. Then he died, and his flesh became bird food. You cremated me, Kai corrects, tone mild. Asajj ignores him and crosses her arms, rolls her eyes at Kenobi. Her brain can take its technicalities and go cark itself. There's your answer. Happy? Kenobi stares at her for a moment before nodding, but he doesn't move away from the wall, still studying her, and Asajj rolls her eyes again. Are we going to move or not? That seems to shake Kenobi out of it. I suppose we should, yes, he says, and she turns on her heel, stalking towards the luggage scanner to pick up her bags, then heading in the direction of the gate. She doesn't bother to turn around to check if he's following her, instead focusing on glaring at other passerbys and seeing how quickly they jump out of her way. They walk in silence until... My master was murdered during the invasion of Naboo, Kenobi says suddenly, and she turns to look at him in surprise, causing the Twi'lek, who'd been behind her, to trip over his own feet as they tried to get out of her way. Earlier, when you asked about Naboo, Kenobi's voice is uncharacteristically void of emotion. The anniversary is this week. Asajj blinks. Was he really... Oh, force cripping hell, seriously? Jedi. Jedi. The stupid... Hiddity of them all kind of makes her want to scream. She literally just told him that she didn't want his pity, and, and now he's pulling this? What kind of soft, pathetic 
idiot would just tell an enemy operative that kind of information. She won't stop him from sharing. If he wants to build his own pyre, he can lie in it. It's not her problem. She's not touched. She really isn't. Kenobi is being an idiot. There's nothing touching about that. His master was Qui-Gon Jinn, Kai says. We were in the same clan as children. He took Obi-Wan as a Padawan shortly before I left. And, well, that's a useful piece of knowledge she didn't know she had. Jedi Master Qui-Gon Jinn? She purrs in response, mocking his earlier statement, because she's not above twisting the metaphorical knife. He did it first, anyway. Kenobi's surprise is nothing but a brief flicker in the force, and he gets it under control quickly. But it is absolutely there. Ha. Got you there, Jedi. Still, Kenobi doesn't miss a beat in responding. Dooku's been telling those tales instead, then. No, but he doesn't need to know that. My master likes to speak, she says dryly, picking up her bag again and swinging it onto her back. Kenobi snorts and follows suit. That he does, Kenobi agrees. His monologue on Geonosis was ridiculous, truly. You're one to talk. What's that supposed to mean? Author's Notes at the End The title is absolutely a joke about the TSA's whole your safety is our priority thing. Listen, this is from Ventress's point of view, and safety is really not something she gives a shit about. And while Obi-Wan does care more about safety, he's also kind of committing identity fraud here as well as assisting a known war criminal. So I think it's safe to say that safety has been pushed pretty far down on the priority list. Kynaric's presence in this is based off his presence as a force ghost slash figment of imagination in the audiobook Dooku, Jedi Lost. In the book, it's left pretty ambiguous if Kai is an actual force ghost or just a figment of Ventress's imagination, so here I'm going with Kai actually being a force ghost. However, Ventress doesn't know that, and thinks he's just a particularly annoying figment of her imagination. The reason Obi-Wan is able to do what he does with the mind trick here is because literally no one wanted something to be happening. This is a space airport. It's a small space airport used oftentimes by smugglers and bounty hunters. They really, really, really do not want there to be an incident that could draw the attention of the planet's government. Obi-Wan's mind trick works because it appeals to pretty much everyone in the space airport. Also, it's a small space airport and not too busy, which helps a lot. 
Not gonna lie, I have no idea why Asajj Ventress, business student, is such an amusing concept to me, but oh my god, I find it hilarious and maybe sort of restructured half the story just so I could get that line in there. Oops. In a galaxy far, far away, I feel like university would be less of that thing that's seen as standard to do in one's early 20s, and more something done after people got a fair amount of real-life experience. Since there are so many examples of, like, 14-year-olds ruling countries and traveling the galaxy. I personally had canon that settling down somewhere and devoting years of your life to study would be something that often occurred after people had spent a good chunk of their time getting work experience. The end. Thank you for listening. What a delightful little story. I love it.